Thank you, Lord. The enemy's really been at work this week, and we're not going to glorify him. We're going to glorify Jesus Christ, but he has come to batter. And the Bible says he's not going to win, is he? He's not going to win. God already won. He won on the cross. The blood was already shed for us. God already did it on the cross. But the Bible says that we need to be aware of his devices, aware that he still tries to come. And he, has, he comes sometimes, doesn't he? Doesn't the enemy come? Sometimes he comes to burden you, tries to put your old weights back on you, tries to get division, tries to get all kinds of distractions in us. And the Bible just says that as he comes, we need to armor ourselves in him. We need to get back into the Lord again. And we can see in the life of Paul and in Peter and in James, we see that they went through many things. God's message kept going and going. It didn't stop it, did it? In fact, Paul said, uh, I've been weak and I suffer, but I learned that even through those things, right, through everything that I've gone through, I'm paraphrasing a bunch of different scriptures. He says, I've learned to just lean upon the grace of Jesus Christ. I learned that, he said, in fact, if I got to go through this stuff to realize that it's Jesus that I need and him that I need to lean upon, then I'd rather go through it than not go through it because that's where I find Christ. Amen. We just thank you, God. We thank you again that you are here. And uh, I have something exciting to preach to you today. And I, I didn't know where I was going to go today, last week. And um, I was speaking about the little. These last weeks, the Lord's just been speaking to my heart. And we've been speaking in this church about the little. Come on. Jesus said, give me your little. Jesus said, give me your little. And we looked at some different examples. We looked at how he took the few loaves and fish, right? And he multiplied it into much. But you had to give it. And they gave him everything they had. Doesn't matter how much it is. Come on, you need to stop looking at your life and stop looking at what you have. And God says, I don't need the quantity. Remember, we also looked at the talents. We have the, we have the five, right? And we have the 10, we have the five, and we have the one. The one talent. The one talent. He didn't say, I don't need a description of your quantity. I just want you to do with what you have. He's not looking at you and comparing you to your brothers and sisters or to anyone else, but we need to give him what we have and we need to give it to him first. We looked at the widow with Elijah. He said, I'm going to take care of you. God told the widow, I'll take care of you. You'll never be hungry. You'll never be thirsty until this famine is over, but come and give it to me first. He gave, she gave to God first and then watched God move in her life. And then we're going to look at Gideon again because Gideon was a man who didn't think that God had the right man. Come on. Gideon didn't think that God had the right number. Who are you talking to? It says very quickly, I just want to just breeze through what I was talking about last week and then get into what the Lord wants to say today. Judges chapter 6 verse 1, it says firstly, and I need to establish this because it's where I want to go in a little bit. It says Judges chapter 6 verse 1 that the Israelites did evil. Everybody say they did evil. They did evil in the Lord's sight, so the Lord handed them over to the Midianites for seven years. And this is such a significant verse. This is where Gideon's story starts. It does not start in verse 11 when the Lord calls him. That's not where Gideon's story starts. Gideon's story starts right here in chapter 6, verse 1, because there was an issue in the land. Who knows that there's an issue in your valley? There's an issue in this nation. There's an issue in this world. And it's that the world has done evil in the Lord's sight. Does the Lord still love them? 
Absolutely. He loves you unconditionally. He loves you whether you love him or not. He loved you before you were even born. He loved you. And he knew who you'd be. In fact, this is such a bewildering thing for us to imagine. But even Judas, Jesus loved and even gave himself fully. Jesus was fully aware of who Judas was and that Judas would betray him to the cross. And yet Jesus didn't hold back. He sent all 12 out to go and do things for him, do miracles for him. All 12. And so the Lord loves you unconditionally. He wants you unconditionally to understand his love. He wants you to understand that unconditional love. And, and, but there are things that happen not because uh, God wants us to suffer. God does not want you to suffer. Come on. What parent wants to see their child suffer? But what parent has also disciplined their children? <laughs> you didn't discipline them because you wanted them to suffer. You did it for their good. So the Lord does something sometimes. Sometimes we see the, the darkness and we say, Lord, what's going on? And then the Lord's saying twofold. The Lord says, well, one is without them, uh, without me dealing with this world, how would they know? How would they, how, if, it, if nothing ever causes the person to see that, wow, I need God, then what would ever cause them to come to him? In fact, I've said many times, it's much easier for someone who's a drug addict, someone who's going through a hard time to come to Christ than for someone who has it all. Because the person who has it all and everything's good in their life, they don't look to God. In fact, as Christians, let's just be really honest. Every time that we've prayed for God and we've sought his face and he's given us a miracle, many times we have drifted away after. You don't walk away from God completely, but who has seen that? Where you just seek him a little bit less than you did the day before. That doesn't mean that we don't love him, but when you're crying, when there's a need in your life, you get up early, you start fasting. Who's been fasting and praying for the Lord to do something in your life? And then the fast ends the day you get your miracle. It doesn't mean that, that, doesn't mean that you need to, to keep fasting for the miracle that's already happened, but the point is that we just start seeking a little bit less. And so God does allow, come on, we need to see that this is the word, that God does allow things like this to happen. He does allow the enemy for a season. Come on, everybody say, for a season. But for a season only, for one reason, to get you to look at him again. Come on, to get you to say, wow, wow, what is, you know, uh, Lord, I, I don't like what's happening in my life, so I want to seek your face. And then the Lord says, I want you to get some things out of your life. There's some open doors. There's some things you've allowed. There's things in your life that you've allowed you have that, that I want to deal with. Come on, let's be honest as Christians. It says in verse 6, so Israel was reduced to starvation by the Midianites. But it says in verse 6 that then the Israelites cried out to the Lord for help. And the Lord always answers that prayer, doesn't he? Does the Lord say, well, wait a second. Let's just look at what you've done. And uh, here, I got my checklist here. And uh, well, I have my sin list here. And based upon the gauge of what sin is worse than others, um, well, you know, you're crying out, but you're going to have to cry out a little bit more. The Lord doesn't say that, does he? Every single time, no matter what, no matter where you've been, the instant you cry out to him, he hears you. 
And we need to know that as Christians, and even that's what we're doing as a church, we're fending for our brothers and sisters. I've seen it. I've seen it even this very week, even in this church. The devil's come to batter many, and uh, he does that sometimes, but we just thank the Lord that the Lord's going to rescue them from that. They're not going to stay in that place, are they? In Jesus' name. We prayed that this morning because it needed to be prayed. And I thank you, Lord. It says that he called a man named Gideon. In verse 11, finally, it says, so the angel of the Lord came. And I'm just breezing through this fast. This was last week. If you want to hear this in more detail, you can listen to the podcast. And he came and he sat beneath the great tree of Ophrah, which belonged to Joash of the clan of Ebezer, and however you say these names. And then Gideon, son of Joash, was threshing wheat at the bottom of a winepress to hide the grain from the Midianites. So remember, Gideon was hiding. He wasn't some mighty man. He wasn't out there fighting. He wasn't even fending for the Lord. He didn't even know the Lord. Come on, you need to understand that Gideon did not know the Lord. Come on, God doesn't call good people. God calls people. Wow. I need to say that again. God doesn't call good people. God calls people. There's no such thing as good. Jesus said there's no such thing as good. Only God is good. So he comes and he finds this guy hiding, just like everyone else. He's hiding, hiding from God, hiding from the judgment of God. Because this is, he's hiding from the Midianites. The Midianites are the judgment of God. God allowed it. Well, it's like we're all doing. We're trying to, we try to cover. We try to hide from the judgment of God and try to, we try to make a way. He's like, I found a way to live without God. I can live without God. I can, I can, I can live. You know what I understand is, I don't understand what's happening necessarily what's out there, why this is happening. But uh, without even knowing it's a judgment of God, I can figure out a way to live my life without him. I'll just live in hiding. Live, and God does not want us to live in hiding. God does not want us to live uh, oppressed. Come on, who knows as a Christian that you used to be oppressed? That when you came to Christ, that the oppression left, that, the, that this hiding left, right? Amen. So it says that he says to him, he appears to him in verse 12 and says, Mighty hero, the Lord is with you. Gideon's like, who are you talking to? think you got the wrong guy, God. Mighty hero. It says, verse 12, it says, and the angel of the Lord appeared to him and said to him in the Amplified, you mighty man of fearless courage. It says in the Amplified, you mighty man of fearless courage. What did God see in Gideon that Gideon couldn't see in himself? Come on, we need to ask that question constantly of ourselves. We need to not look at your situation. You you cannot look at who you think you are. You cannot look at what's oppressing you. You cannot look at what's been done to you. You cannot look at any of those things. We must learn as Christians to believe only what God says about us. Can I get an amen for that? (laughs) You guys are stoic today. (laughs) We must learn as Christians to only believe what God has said about us. And it will not make sense. God says it. He says stuff to you that will not make sense. He calls you who he sees you as, who you truly are to him, not what the world has made you, not where the devil has put you, not where your own decisions and even your own sin has put you. God does not see you there. Now, as long as you decide to stay there, you will be there. This is easy. This is elementary. This is Sunday school, ABCs, one, two, three for Christians. 
if you decide to stay here, Jesus went willingly for you. He laid his life down willingly and freely. It costs you nothing. But here I am. Jesus is like, here, I've done everything. In fact, God said, if there was anything more I could do, I would do it. There's nothing more to be done. It's been done. So now here we are, and we say, yes, Jesus. That's what we've done as Christians. We've said, yes, Jesus, I surrender. And you know, that's the word for the week. That's the word this week, man. I love when the Lord gets involved in my week. Don't you love when the Lord gets involved with your week? I just, I keep, I just keep being bewildered by God. He's good, isn't he? Let's just be real. God's good. And he got involved in my week, and I just, the word is surrender. Heard it so many times this week, everywhere I went. Okay, Lord. And all you can do, like Gideon, was just say, yes, Lord. And we see that he does that. We see it. He fleeces God, right? We know the most famous part about Gideon is that Gideon fleeces God, right? He tests God. He's not sure. He's not sure that this is true. But God starts to prove himself, and Gideon acts in faith, right? He didn't even believe it. But it says in verse 16 that God told him, he said, I will be with you. And when God says he'll be with you, you need to believe it. I need you as the church to believe this today. Jesus said to you, Jesus is saying to you right in this very moment, I will not leave you. I will not forsake you. Now you are looking and going, well, I'm hiding in this place. Everything, the whole, it seems like the whole world is coming against me. My whole world is crumbling apart. Everything I know is disappearing. My bank account is dwindling. My relationships are falling apart. So I don't know what you're talking about, pastor. But you cannot look at the natural. You cannot look at those things. You must look past the natural and look into the supernatural. You must look to God. And that's what Gideon does. Gideon actually trusts him with, with his life, even what could have been to his death. And I'm sorry for those that you've heard this last week. I can't help it. I wanted to move right on to the 300. It's talking about the little being great. Little being, and I was going towards the 300. I didn't make it there last week, and I don't think I'm going to make it there yet this week. Because the Lord wants us to get this right here. This is it. This is the key for us as believers, is that we need to realize that what God says is what is. What the devil says is a lie. Jesus said he is a liar, and he has been a liar from the beginning, means everything that is opposing to God's word. If it's not what God has said about you, it is a lie. Even a partial truth with a little bit of truth is a lie. Come on. We are free because God has made us free. He whom the Son sets free is free indeed. And I thank you, Jesus, that you have set this church free. We're just going to keep declaring it. We're going to keep speaking it. And we're also going to fend for them, right? We're also going to go to them personally and be with those that are in need. Thank you, Lord. And so that's the Lord calling Gideon. But Gideon has to do an act of faith. The Lord deals with something, though. The Lord's going to use Gideon. Come on. I'll just say it. The Lord uses Gideon with only 300. Let's just get the story out there because I don't think I'm going to get there. The Lord takes only 300 men and takes down. Uh, uh, the army was so big, he said it looked like sand on the seashore. Okay, you cannot do that. That's not a natural thing. There is nothing in the natural. Okay, that is not an act of Gideon's strength. That wasn't Gideon's big muscles. 
It's not 300 mighty men. It was 300 obedient men. Come on. There was 300 obedient men. And in fact, it started with one man who said, yes, I'll be obedient. God can do millions of times if there was a number. There is no number. God can do innumerably, immeasurably, so far beyond. Come on, let's look at that. Let's look at Ephesians. I just have a few verses, in fact. Let me just read them instead of quoting them. It says in Ephesians chapter 1, verse 19. Come on, I pray this for you, just like Paul prayed it for his church in Ephesians. I pray for this church, and I pray for myself. I pray, verse 19, that you will understand the incredible greatness of God's power for us who believe Him. The incredible greatness of God's power for us who believe Him. For who? Is it for the whole world? It's for those who believe Him. That is the key. The only thing that God requires of you is to believe Him. God has done everything and has given us everything. And in fact, Ephesians gets into that. We won't have time for that today. And I'm sorry I'm talking so fast because I can't seem to make it through a sermon. I'm just trying to get it out. I want to get it all, all that God has got to say today. But it says, it says, this is the same. Everybody say it's the same. It's the same. Come on, say it again. Because you need to get your spirit. Sometimes you've got to say it so your spirit believes you. You don't believe it. I'll prove it to you you don't believe it. As soon as you get that bill in the mail that you didn't expect, what's your first instinct? Oh, Jesus has got it or fear. Come on, let's just be honest. If your first instinct is not Jesus has got it, maybe that's your second. It's my second I know he's got it, but the first thing I feel is fear. It's because I fully haven't gotten it yet, and I'm, it doesn't mean I'm going to stay there. I'm not, let's not just bring us down, and we're not going to stay there. We're going to get this, because the Lord said, and when he prayed it for them and prayed it for us, I mean, Jesus prayed for us as well. Jesus prayed. He said, Lord, I pray that they will be one as we are one. And we're not one yet. doesn't mean that Jesus' prayer is not working. It just means the oneness is still coming together. He's still bringing us together, isn't he? So this prayer is still in progress. I'm still getting it. Come on, everybody say, I'm still getting it. I'm a little dense, <laughs> but I'm getting it. And the Lord said, it says, the same mighty power that raised Christ, verse 20, from the dead, the same power that raised Christ from the dead and seated him in the place of honor at God's right hand in the heavenly realms is working in you and for you. In fact, the Amplified says in verse 19 that it is, and this is what I was talking about a moment ago, it says that it's the immeasurable, everybody say immeasurable. So I said millions of times that's not true. But I got to get a number because we can't think immeasurable. Your minds don't compute eternity. If they did, you wouldn't be so concerned about this world. Ooh, that was a sharp dig. That was, that was sharp. We don't operate, our minds don't operate in the temporary. We, we don't, uh, we do, we do operate. We don't operate in the eternal. Our minds, it's so hard. You will not get this in your mind. It has to be a spiritual revelation of who God is and who he is in you and what he wants to do through you. It is not a natural thing. And if you try to get your mind to figure it all out first before you trust him, God's going to tell you to do things you don't want to do, things that even the world, even your church, even your pastor says not to do. And when God tells you, 
I'm not saying it's opposite of the word. I'm saying it'll line up. If it's God telling you, it's going to line up with his word. But when he tells you to do something, you listen. The first thing we do is, okay, Lord, give me the 10-step plan. Give me the, the, I want to see the end from the beginning. I want to see the map. I want the GPS. You can program it in, and I'll just follow it. And the Lord says, I'm not going to give you any of that. All I'm going to say is that I'm God. Do you trust me? Do you surrender? And so this immeasurable and unlimited and surpassing greatness of his power in us and for us who believe. And it says in Ephesians chapter 3, verse 20, it says, Now all glory to God who is able. Everybody say, God is able through his mighty power at work within us to accomplish infinitely. Okay, that is not a number. That is beyond the natural. The infinite does not work in the earth. Even, if, even though the sand on the seashore seems infinite, even though the hairs on the head of even just a person seems infinite. God has them all numbered. He's got the sand numbered. He's got the hairs numbered. Those are, this is earthly things. It's beyond us to do such a thing, but it's still earthly. God said there is an infinite. There is a place. There is a power working that worked in Jesus on the cross, and that is still working in you, but you have to surrender to it. It's like, it's like the, uh, the, the wave of the ocean. I'm talking the most powerful tidal wave that you could imagine. That's the power coming towards you. And you either just embrace it or you get run over by it. It's either just going to, God's going to do what he's going to do. His kingdom will be established. The end will wrap up like a scroll and Jesus will judge from his throne one day. And we either embrace it and let God do what he wants to do in our lives and through our lives now while we have time or we just get run over. We don't need to be run over, do we? Because the Lord's speaking to us right now because he loves us. That's why the Lord speaks to us over and over and over again, because he loves us. (laughs) Why do you tell a child, it seems like, right, Dawn? seems like we tell our children 50,000 times to do the same exact thing. And they go, I didn't hear that. I didn't know. The Lord's like, told you a few times too. Infinitely more than we might ask or think. That's what he wants to do. Come on, the Lord wants to do infinitely more than we might ask or think. So far beyond us, but he only requires one thing. You just put your hands up and say, yes, Jesus. So many times the reason that we're not seeing God's power working in us and through us is not because Jesus has changed from being Lord. God has not left his throne, just so you know. Jesus' power has uh, has not diminished and Satan has not won and nor will he. The only reason his power is not working in us is because we still have walls up. We've still put walls up. We still have idols in our lives. We've allowed things in our lives. Come on. Real, real quiet in here now. But God wants those things out of us. 
it's not just because he's God. He could do that. He could say, as a parent, again, I'm giving a lot of parent-child references because we're talking about the father. As a parent, I could just say, because I said so. And God can do that. Just because he's God, he wants that stuff out of us. And sometimes, I don't always, I'll tell my children why. I don't always need to. But sometimes I tell them why. And God's actually telling us the why. It's for your own benefit. It's for your own benefit that you let me get this junk out of you. Let me get that pride out of you. Let me get the jealousies and the envies and the hurts and the fears and all of that stuff out of you and even your will to accomplish and to do, which is not a bad thing in itself, but outside of God is nothing and worth nothing. Sandcastles, wood, hay, and stubble, the Bible calls it. He says, if you don't build with gold and silver and precious stones, you'll make it into heaven. He says, but when I try your works with fire, it'll all be burned up. And we don't want that, do we? We want God to do great things in us and through us, and he will in Jesus' name. Thank you, Lord. And it says again, it mirrors this again in Ephesians chapter 6, verse 10. He says, a final word, be strong in the Lord, and you may know it, and in his might. The NLT says right here, and in his mighty power. God's mighty power it says, he said, a final word, be strong, not in yourself. Don't be strong in your church. Don't be strong uh, in your Bible study. Be strong in the Lord. And then all of those things are there. God has placed those things there for you to help you. Come on, we are gathered as believers to help each other. His word has been put there to help us. The Holy Spirit is there to help us. But at the end of all of that, if any of the things that he's put around you to help you are your strength, you're still missing it. It is just God and God alone. Does that make sense? It's him and his mighty power, and that's it. And so Gideon is here. Here we go. Back to Gideon. I told you that I wouldn't make it, so thank you, Lord. It's just the Holy Spirit. We've got to trust him. It says that he, God tells him to do something, and it says in, Gen in Judges chapter 6, verse 25, he has to deal with the sin. He has to deal with the idols. Before God can use Gideon to work for him, he has to deal with him. Come on, everybody say, before the Lord can use my little, he has to deal with my sin. That's a swear word. That's like the S word. We can't say that word anymore, and we should say that word in church. What are we coming to Christ for? He's not a genie in the bottle. He comes to wash away our sin. And then simultaneously, what happens after the cross? Jesus said, it's actually good that I go. What are you talking about, Jesus? Good that you go. He said, because if I go, then I'm going to send the Holy Spirit to you. He's with you, but he'll be in you. So there is the cross where he washes away our sin, and then there's the working of your life post the salvation of Christ. Christ now in you. Now you are the light of the world, Jesus said. You are the salt. You are the light. And so the Lord is working in us, and sometimes that's the most uncomfortable thing, and it doesn't matter how old you are, it doesn't matter how long you've been serving Christ, not serving Christ, uh, none of that really matters. The Lord's not finished till he's finished. If he's still working on you, let him work. I said that some weeks ago. If he's still working on you, let him work. 
All he needs is a tiny little bit. He does not need much. We are so, as I've mentioned some weeks past, we are so minuscule. If you could look from God's perspective, uh, man, at one individual, we wouldn't even be visible with the greatest uh, telescope, microscope, whichever perspective you're thinking about. We wouldn't even be visible. We're so small. And yet God loves us and chooses us and wants to use us. God could have done it any, any way he wanted, and yet he raised up 12 disciples. Why? Because of his love for humanity. He loves us. And we, though, we have to recognize what Judas didn't recognize in Jesus, that Peter did, you are the Christ. Come on, Peter said, where would we go in John 6? And he said, you are the Christ. He had the revelation, right? Peter had the revelation. He said, that's not from you. That was God gave you that revelation. But Judas was looking in the natural. He had flesh. He had jealousy issues. He had envy issues. And the Bible doesn't give us a, a wondering why he... It actually tells us exact. We don't even have to be... Uh, we don't even have to read between the lines. It says that Judas used to dip his hand in the money bucket. That's what it says. He used to steal it for himself. So when, when the ointment was put on Jesus for his crucifixion, and he said that was a year's salary, he wasn't worried about feeding the poor. He was thinking, man, that's like, if I could usually, can, I can sneak out about 10 to 30% of that without anybody noticing. That year's salary, I just lost 10 to 30% of my money. He didn't deal with himself. And then, he became, and then it says that the devil filled him. The devil came and filled him because he gave himself over. Devil just can't come and fill you without you choosing. He does not have that power. If the devil's in you, you've chosen it. If Christ is in you, you've chosen it. That's it. They're both, both the devil and the Holy Spirit. I've talked about it before, really, that cartoon of the devil on one side and, you know, the angel on the other side. That's very accurate, really, what's happening. They're both pulling you. Who's, who knows? Come on, I don't have to convince you that the devil's been pulling you since the day you were born. You don't have to be convinced. And then who sees now that the Holy Spirit has been also drawing your heart? Since the day you were born, you can look at your life and you can see day by day, wow, Lord, you were there and you were there and you were there and you were there and you saved me from that, right? And so he didn't force us though, did he? We chose him. We chose Christ. He chose us first because he said, he said, hey, do you want me? So he came and he found you and then you said yes. But he doesn't force himself upon you. And so the same thing happens here with Gideon. Gideon, the first thing the Lord does before Gideon does any mighty miracles with the 300 men, it says that he said in Judges chapter 6, I'm trying, I'm trying guys to get to this. Thank you, Lord. Judges chapter 6, verse 25, it says, That night the Lord said to Gideon, Take the second bull from your father's herd, the one that is seven years old, and pull down your father's altar to Baal. This is what the Lord deals with first. The community was worshiping other gods. There was, God said, we go way back to the very beginning. Ten commandments have no other god before me. Ten Commandments are not even included in the law. Law is, you know, you can't wear linen and cotton. You know, you need to be out. You touch a dead person in seven days and et cetera. You know a lot of that from Leviticus and Deuteronomy and so on. That's law. Ten Commandments are not law. Ten Commandments is like, a, it's just written upon your heart. Everybody knows you shouldn't kill someone. Doesn't need to tell you that. <laughs> wow, it's so quiet in here. 
He said, pull down your father's altar to Baal and cut down the Asherah pole standing beside it. This is really what the Lord is doing all the time. He's dealing with the hatred. They said, oh, Lord, we've got everything. Remember, the Pharisees, Sadducees, we got all figured out. And everything looks perfect. And Jesus called them whitewashed sepulchers because he said, okay, you haven't killed anybody, but are you hating in your heart? And the Lord wants to use you and he doesn't need much. Come on, this is like, this is like I'm capping off this sermon series of using your very little, but the point is God says, I wanna use your little. I wanna use your little so bad. I mean, if I could bring, I just wanna bring God and just put and just stand aside, just put him here and let him tell you. Because what I hear from his heart is, you don't realize how bad I wanna use you. But if I use you without you tearing down your father's altars and we're gonna have a mixed gospel out there going to be a mixed thing. Come on, we've seen it. Come on, who has seen it? Men and women who represent God, but don't really represent God. And God is so jealous for you. He loves you so much. Imagine you doing all these great things for God, and then you get to the, to the pearly gates, and God says, whoa, 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 whoa. What are you doing here? And you say, Lord, I did all these things. And he says, I don't know you. Come on, that's what the picture is. The picture is that he loves people so much that he'll even use you when you haven't even dealt with heart issues. He'll use you, but he loves you so much. What he really wants to do is deal with your own heart issues so that, well, he's still using you because he loves those people just as much as he loves you, that then when you come to him, he doesn't turn you away. We have to deal with this. He said... In Romans chapter 12, verse 1, it says, And so, dear brothers and sisters, I plead with you. Come on, everybody say, I plead with you. You know, when he says, I plead with you, pleading is not, I ask you, you know, I just wanted to tell you something. Oh, side note, <laughs> 12, 1, side note. I'm pleading with you, believers. Come on, I'm pleading with you. I'm pleading with you. I'm pleading with you, church. Give your bodies to God because of all that he has done for you. Let them be a living and holy sacrifice. Come on, we are a sacrifice before God. Jesus sacrificed himself for this world and showed us the picture Jesus said, follow me, which also means follow my example. He wants us, he said, as going back to John 17, when he's praying about our love, if he said that you, I want them to be loved as, as we are love, God, God, you and I, and we have, we're one and love is what we're about, then I want our, my church to be love. Then we have to do what Jesus said. And Jesus said the greatest love for one is to lay down your life for one another. That's the greatest love. So when Jesus is telling us to follow him, he's saying, follow, you know, it's not about your salvation because I've got that covered, but it's about the world. If it was just be saved, then he would just take us to heaven. Why even live here? What's the point of the rest of our life? So he can show us his goodness. He's got all of eternity to do that. Come on, the rest of your life is not so he can bless you. He's not afraid of blessing you. Come on, God is not afraid to bless you when your heart is right. 
but he's got all of eternity to shower you with blessings where it says where moth and rust cannot destroy and where thieves cannot break in and steal. Why would he get you saved? Now say, okay, for the next, whatever it is, five years or 50 years of your life, let me show you that I'm God here on earth. He's got all of eternity to prove that he's God to you in the glory and in the, in, in the heavenlies. Come on. It's making sense to anybody. The reason that you're still here after Christ has done a work in you is for the next brother and sister around you. It's for your brothers and sisters. It says back in Romans 12, let them be a living and holy sacrifice, the kind he will find acceptable. Did you know that there's a sacrifice that's not acceptable to God and there's one that is? Why would he tell us to that the kind that he will find acceptable. It says, this is truly the way to worship him. This was a sign of complete and total trust for God. When Gideon gave himself, it was a declaration of his beliefs and it even came with rejection. It was even possible that he would be killed. Remember? I'm sorry, I preached this again. Sorry if you heard it last week. But Gideon, the next morning, they said, to tell his father, Joash, give us Gideon. We're going to kill him. We're going to kill him because he tore down these altars. Come on, when you make the decision for Christ, don't expect everybody to love you. When you make a decision for Christ, come on, the Lord is going to ask you to stand in a way. Come on, Gideon, talk about faith. Because last week I talked about he didn't look like he had much because faith is action. It's not his words, not his confession. He, 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 he trusted God. I mean, this is like true faith. I mean, he said, Lord, I'm going to trust you even unto my death. He knew what it meant, cutting that down. He was well aware that no one was going to be happy in the morning when everything that his father had built was torn down and burned up. Come on, you will be rejected. We don't need to strive for rejection. We don't need to try to be rejected. Come on, Christians. We don't need to be weird on purpose. We can just be normal people and be rejected because of Christ. Don't try to be that weird Christian. Well, I'm Christian, that's why I'm weird. No, you're just weird. <laughs> you just be Christ and the world will reject you. We don't need to try and we don't need to glory. We don't even need to be, we don't need to be happy about that. That should break our hearts. But we do it because we're obedient to God. We didn't do it to get a reaction. We just did it because God, this is what God told me to do. God said to lay your life down. He said, he said, the whole world, they're gonna say this is a joke. They're gonna say you're wasting your Sunday morning. We're out mowing the lawn and swimming in the pool. What a waste of your time. Come on, we don't listen to any of that. Gideon was obedient, and God is asking us to do the same thing. We need to be obedient. And God's saying to us, I want to change your situation. I want to bring peace and prosperity back, back into the lives of your valley. I want to be your God and take good care of you. But firstly, the gods, the idols, the things we've been bowing down to, they must be removed. Sin had caused God to remove his hand of protection over them, and to get it back required sacrifice. God's hand had been removed, and God's hand was, he heard them. As soon as he heard their cry, he came up with an answer. He came over to Gideon, and he's like, Gideon, this is what I want you to do. I want you to deal with the sin in the camp. 
It's the very first thing he does. We'll take care of the enemy. Enemies, that's easy for me. Come on. Devil's easy for God. It's not the devil messing with you. That's not the struggle. Come on, we know the story. I wish you, go home and read it. It's not, it's only a chapter long. Just read in Judges 6 and into 7 and 8. Read his story. Come on, that's your homework. It's not hard for God to deal with the enemy. In fact, not only is Gideon only 300 men, they divide into three groups, 100 men, 100 men, 100 men. If I was one of those 100 men, I'd be like, what is going on here? They don't even raise their sword at first. Come on, who knows the story? God just does it. God causes them to fight against themselves. The devil is not the problem. It's yourself. It's you. You get rid of all the, I, you just, you, you do like Gideon does and just say, yes, Lord, and you're willing to sacrifice everything. It says, even unto death, even unto your death, unto whoever rejects you, no matter what it costs you, you do that. I mean, God's going to do giant, I'm talking crazy giant, uh, immeasurable, right? Immeasurable things in you and through you. Does this make any sense today? As always, I could keep going and I won't just want to finish with this. It says, just wrote this. It says, we have so little to give God, but when we give him the little trust we have, the little faith we have, the little resources we have, it's a sign of our surrender. Come on, we just give him the little we have, but it's everything we have. It's only a little bit, but it's everything we've got. God, I, I'm just going to give it to you. And then his answer is always supernatural. It's nothing that could have been done in the flesh, right? And it's so that God gets the glory through doing it. I just want to read that one verse. I'm not going to read his whole story. We know that God comes in verse 34 and clothes Gideon in with power. And he only clothes Gideon with power after Gideon dealt with the temple. Come on, who's the temple? Where's the temple? It's not a building anymore, is it? It's right here. We've got to clean out the junk of the temple. Got to clean this place and get it ready for the presence of God. And that's what he did in verse 34. The presence of God closed Gideon, right? So then after that, it says, I just want to read this one verse. It says, uh, chapter 7, verse 2. It says, the Lord said to Gideon, you have too many warriors with you. He says, if I let you fight the Midianites, the Israelites will boast that they saved themselves by their own strength. It's his might. It's his power. It's him. It's all him. God's dealing with us. Let him deal with you. Just keep letting him strip every... I mean, the Lord starts going through like a fine-tooth comb. <laughs> Lord starts digging deep. Who's been dug deep by God? Just me, I guess. But the Lord wants to use you. It's for your own sake that he's working on you first. He's still using you during the process. Come on, the very first day. Remember the demoniac? He's like, I want to come with you, Jesus. Jesus is like, just stay here and just tell all the people what I did with you. So the Lord starts using you immediately in one respect, but he's dealing with your heart immediately. And if you don't let, if you just keep letting, if he just keeps using you and not letting him deal with your heart, we're going to get into a mess. I'll just leave it at that. We've all seen that. Let's just stand and just give God glory. We thank you, God, 
for your name being praised, Lord God. We thank you for your word. We, Lord, we thank you that you have preserved your word, and it is just as relevant today, Lord, than it was when it was written and when the story was told thousands of years before that. We thank you, Lord, that you are still God, that your position has not changed. And I thank you, Lord, that you are asking us, Lord, to give, a, to give you everything, because when we do, Lord, I thank you that there is nothing you will hold back for us. And I thank you, Lord, that you want to do great and mighty things in this church and in this people. But I thank you, Lord, that you love us so much. You're so jealous for us that you won't let your power fully come, Lord, through us until we let it do a work in us. We just thank you, God. We're going to keep surrendering it all to you. And we're going to watch you, Lord, do more and more and more in us and through us. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen.